<clears throat> right, let me let me try and do this, yeah. You ready? Alright. Hey, what's up, my people? Welcome to today's show. Thanks to all those that have been listening since the very first episode, and a shout out to all those as well that have jumped on board since. You're appreciated, trust me. No, yeah, thanks to all those that have given me feedback. It's been a lot of fun hearing from you. And speaking of feedback, today's guest is the king of it. He's part of the team behind the scenes who really helped to give players the best chance of having individual and collective success through maximizing their potential. Wow, that sounded pretty official. But anyway, to loosen off a bit, he's the director of athletic performance at RSL, the former director of sports science at the famous I'm not going to say Notre Dame. I'm going to say Notre Dame University. And he's my American sports insider slash explainer. Ladies and gentlemen, the Aussie in Utah, this is Matt Howley. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. It's good to see you. It's been a, it's been a quiet off-season for you, hasn't it? You've not really been coming in, have you? Oh, no, I'm, I'm never in. I'm just there every day. You know how it is. <laughs> but but let's just tell the people out there. Go on, tell them. Tell we, them. we had a new face in the gym today for the first time since he... Who was it? Uh, since he left the... Or when I say concluded the season. Who was this? Are we talking about? Oh, I think his name is Nedema Unua. Yeah. Oh, what? Do you yeah. know, this is, this is, let me, let me air this out now. Let me, let me criticize America from the get-go. Okay. And you, you, I don't know if you know this, but outside of here, the off-season is meant to be away from the training ground. Like, I don't understand the culture here where everyone just comes to the training ground just through the off-season. Like, have a break. Hey, I don't disagree with you at all. There's just an American cultural like, aspect to what we do, I'd say. It's good to work, but like, just... Take a breather, you know what I mean? Hey, so I'm, I'm taking, getting away next week, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, I'm ta- and I'm taking lots of uh, long breaths as well. You, yeah. you might see me once, twice more before the season starts, but that's it. I have to push. Yeah, just keep on that elliptical. I think that's a good time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I might get a little peloton like one of my teammates did last year. Just just take a light spin on that for a few times. That should be enough now. Oh, Lukey Mulholland hit the peloton over Thanksgiving oh, break. Did he? Yeah, did he? he said it was tough. Ah, uh, did he? Money man Luke, eh? Yeah. But anyway, let's, let's not throw any more shade here. Let's All not right. throw any more shade here. So, like myself, you are someone who has a green card who's not actually from here yeah so please 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 tell me about your route to america like was it a long-term plan to get here like how did you end up doing this job here short story yes it was we don't do short stories here my friend when the tape is running we do long long stories (laughs) all right long story then um so it was a plan to to move over here if you want to say to america or it was just a plan to travel and work is probably the best way to say it so you're looking to travel anywhere uh within respect yeah like potentially europe like uh america like anywhere where there was developed sport is probably the best way to say it so i wouldn't say that i was in into just being in the u.s it was more like okay where are the opportunities within the field of where i work in which is like athlete development strength conditioning sports sports science so for me it was it was just finding out where opportunities were so like all you guys, like I want to be a professional footballer, but I want to play AFL, not soccer. Right, okay. And where you are, that's, did they call it footy there? Yeah, footy's AFL. No, no, that's footy's AFL where you are in Australia. Because would it not be called, like, um, say, rugby league? Would they call that footy somewhere else? Uh, potentially, but footy's footy at home. It's, it's like, okay, let's just call this. If you're in England and they have a different code of footy, <laughs> if they call rugby, they call it rugby in England, don't Listen, they? And then soccer's footy. Come on, let's... let's, let's it's the same okay, thing. Okay, 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 okay. I would, I would accept that, but I know people wouldn't call it footy like you've just called it footy, which is why I'm giving it that. But we're talking to a Melbournian, which is the heart of AFL. <laughs> the land, worst so we're people going in with the world, that. apparently, are Melbournians or whatever. No, nah, we're 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 clearly the best people in the world, and been the world's most livable city for nine out of the past ten years. So that's that, what that it's for by people from Melbourne, yeah. No, no, by a, by a world survey. I didn't vote. Oh well, that's Ryan. Not my Ryan, did you did you vote in the back? Oh, you didn't get a chance to vote. Okay, they just told you it was the best place to live. 
Right. So there's two people here that haven't voted. So I didn't vote either, but the people are telling me my hometown is the best place to live in the world. Listen, your hometown is, I'm sure, Draper, Utah, or something like that. <laughs> no, it's not. Or where is it? Sandy? No, it's not there. All right, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I like to there. call myself, if people say, where do I live? I usually say Park City, because uh, I like to be accommodated with... Okay, the, you and Will Smith and stuff, who's just your neighbor and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah just hang out with the big boys. All right, must be nice, must be nice. So I, I was looking through your resume as such. And I did it through LinkedIn. Okay. Yes, I'm a professional player <laughs> who has a LinkedIn account. Um, and it was interesting to see, like, how did you manage to get the gig of being an intern at Notre Dame for that period of time? How did you get that coming from Australia straight over? Yeah, yeah. so just to backtrack a little bit. So I was in undergrad, uh, got an opportunity to be an intern mm -hmm. uh, in the TAC Cup, which is now the NAB League, I think, back home. Okay. So that's basically the development pathway. The draft talent goes into there, get drafted to the AFL. So I spent three years there and then as a thing was going through undergrad I was like okay we're opportunities speak to professors like you do when you're in university and they said to me oh well the states have a, like a ton of internships like it could be a good opportunity to jump over there get some experience in a different environment I'm like sure so started literally google docking every university that had a strength <laughs> conditioning program and okay as you're becoming aware there's a ton of them yeah, yeah so I, them, yeah. I probably had about 220 on the list i think it was um so right. I pretty much documented every division one school it was okay uh direct a name do that in internship program phone number email address so created a huge document then from there got put onto a couple of websites and then literally sent out 20 blind applications and Notre Dame contacted me back. It was actually Notre Dame and UC Santa Barbara. You don't know this story, I don't think. No, go on. Tell us. Tell, so tell me. you've got South Bend, Indiana. For uh -huh. the people in the States, it's, it's not a big town. Uh -huh. It's a little college town around the other side of the lake from Chicago for yeah. those for those listening. And with South Bend, it gets a little lake effect snow. So let's say when I arrived there, <laughs> okay. I think they had 43 inches the two days before. So that's okay. probably about... Just a little, just a little yeah, dusting. Yeah. yeah, almost a couple of feet. So okay. that was all good. But then... Santa Barbara going through the process, they were a little bit slower, but in the end, Notre Dame won my heart somehow. I don't know how it happened. It was probably because it was money at that point in time. Right, okay, yeah. One place was going to, what it cost me to live at Notre Dame for three months would have got me through maybe 21 days in Santa Barbara. So mm. it was a no-brainer when you got no money when you're an intern. Yes. Went there and then it just sort of rolled. Yeah. And with interesting you said that because you, you named all the different schools that you wanted to go for and all this. While you were in Australia, did you actually have a number one, who a place where you would like to have gone? Uh, so like if everything, if you could have just picked where you ended up, is there a place you would have, you would have really dreamed of going? Not necessarily, but like in that specific, but for me, like I watched a ton of college football and college basketball back then. So if you had to ask me, what time are you getting up back in Austin? What was that an evening thing? No, no, it was like a morning thing. So, ah, okay. so you just watch a game before school or right. how it was, you get big Monday, which was Tuesday morning. So sometimes yeah. if you had a free period, you'd, you'd jump on the internet and stream it and <laughs> okay. stuff. So yeah, okay. stay right. abreast of it. So I was sort of Syracuse and Duke. That was my two basketball schools. And okay. like, and then I followed USC in the football. Now, if anyone that knows anything about football rivalries, Notre Dame-USC is a pretty hefty football rivalry. Mm -hmm. And then Notre Dame moved to the ACC conference from the Big East. And Syracuse was in the Big East and followed along. And Duke's an ACC school as well. So the schools that I sort of supported, all that uh, memorabilia and stuff and like gear all went straight down to the, the family and out the window and stuff. And fully entrenched in in irish colors now yeah so for anyone uh, back in england who is listening to him not having a single clue what he's talking about that's exactly how i was when i first met him and this is all part of the learning process please buy into what he's saying it does make sense even though it sounds crazy acc big 12s big e's pac 12s all that <laughs> stuff it does make sense and it's a big deal over here so, so in just to go usc notre dame rivalry you're talking Man U, Man City kind of deal. Man U, Liverpool. Like, it's on that kind of level yeah. in the collegiate system. Like In basketball, it's Duke and North Carolina. Yeah. Football, Alabama, Auburn, 
Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame, USC. Like that's where you're talking about. You're talking in like the biggest to the big, the people who have the money yeah. that do it all right. Yeah. And with all the all the time that you spent over here now, obviously you've been you've worked in what is essentially the amateur scene, which is arguably the biggest scene in college. And yeah. then you're in the pro scene now with I'm gonna call it football. I'm not gonna say soccer. I'm gonna yeah. call it football. Um what would you say your favorite time's been so far? Oh, there's been a bunch. Um, like for me, like when we were in the feel free to like humble brag because I know you've got a few things going for you, whatever. Oh yeah, no, no. Like, like for me, like, like honestly, the biggest thing so far is probably winning national championship. Ah, oh, there it like, is. You there won a national is. championship. No, I didn't. I was a part of a team that won it. So okay. Like we, one of our, one of your co-players Nathan, and one, one of my athletes, Nathan, Nick Beasley. Oh, uh, he okay. was, he was a part of that group. So tell me the truth. Was he a good? Was he a big part of that group? Or yeah, was he, he was. He, he, he likes to play up an injury that he got done, but I like to play up the part that I brought him back from the injury. So, <laughs> so we go down that path. So he, he did a bit of the work. I wrote the program. Okay. So, okay, okay. It's all about the program. Yeah. It's all about the program. Yeah, like a bad so. program, like some bat wings and some oh, battle ropes and yeah, some bike. Like we yeah. just smashed him and he was good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But he come back, like played 45 or up three zero in a, in what you'd call a uh, like a conference uh, playoff game is mm-hmm. the best way to best way to say it, and then you have the NCAA tournament after that. So it was a conference tournament game. We're up three zip, happened to get rolled on penalties. So mm-hmm. we t- they tie it three three, get rolled, and he's, so we were happy. We then had to drive twelve hours from Maryland home the next day. So that's always fun. Twelve hours on a bus. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's that good was times. that was good fun. But then we did that, and then got in the tournament. End up with a three seed overall. So which is a good number to have, and then ended up winning our way through and took home the trophy. So that was that was a pretty good experience, and then. Like just meeting or working with some of the athletes you get to work with along the journey in the collegiate system and seeing where they've progressed to in professional ranks and which couples. ones? Which ones do you speak of? So I got like like I worked with golf and tennis as well at the start and rowing. So I got a couple of rowers that are looking like being Olympians next year. Okay. So that's, so that's exciting. obviously exciting for them. Um, then there's a multiple amount of MLS draft picks and stuff. And then during my last year, I was able to more transition to football and do some sports science stuff with them. So it was like always good to see. A different sport, obviously, very sport, a sport that's dominating speed, power, strength, essentially, more mm-hmm. than aerobic and running endurance kind of stuff that soccer essentially is. So, and it's more a physical dominated sport compared to soccer, which is a very technical, tactical yeah. sport and the physical secondary. Yeah. Um, so that was obviously interesting. And you see some guys that were on that squad now that are in the NFL doing, doing really good things, and or even guys prior to that that when I'd be in my office and they're out there training in the weight room and stuff, and just genetic freaks, some of these guys. <laughs> like, like yeah, when you yeah. look at them, like we've had conversations about some of them and other guys that like me and uh, me and Nick will talk about still now when we're when we're in the weight room or in the locker room and stuff chatting and like you look at a guy like Quentin Nelson like arguably seen as like the best guard in football and for people that that don't know that's the guy up front that doesn't touch the ball ever yeah. he just pushes guys over yeah and he's just a steamroller like and still remember when he came in the weight room as a freshman and the strength coach got stuck in him one morning for being late and didn't go too well for Big Q but like that, that that's okay <laughs> like me and my office mate were in the office and we were. A bit like, oh, what's going to happen yeah. out here kind of thing. But, like, a bit of a punishment and, like, away they went for the day. But, like, that kind of stuff, you saw that happen. And then see that he's progressed and now he's in the NFL. you got a guy like Mike McGlinchey that's at the 49ers on a like, Super Bowl caliber team this year. That's great guy. And then a bunch of defensive guys. Jalen Smith, obviously, I didn't work with him. But mm-hmm. I saw him come through just a physical, like, specimen. Like, some of these guys, like... The athletic prowess that they have in that sport is just crazy. Yeah, for sure. I can I can imagine that. So you've been in the states. Is it nine years now? Uh, yeah, nine years. Uh, yeah, nine years in about a month. Wow, fancy that! I did my research and I was right there. Yeah. So, um, long term. Yeah. I'm not. Obviously, you're here. 
you're enjoying it here, you're going to help us massively next season and stuff. What what are your long-term goals now? Like, do you want to continue to travel the world or do you want to travel America? Like, how do you see yourself now you're fully established within the pro ranks? Um, for me, it's like, I just want to do the best I can for me. Um, okay. If that's in America, great. Uh, if it's in Australia, even better in some respects because I can go home. If it's an opportunity in England to go to arguably the best soccer league in the world, like mm-hmm. that would be great as well. But I'm not pigeonholed to a sport. And okay. I have this discussion with a lot of people. I'm very open about this. Like, I look at our, what I do in strength and conditioning, sports science, athletic development is you do a needs analysis and then you apply that to the sport and then you help those athletes within that sport succeed as best as possible. So for me, I look at that kind of stuff and whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether mm-hmm. it's hockey, any of those sports over here, like you do a needs analysis, you build a network, like anything in industry now comes down to who you know, not what you know kind of thing. Like, yeah. I hate bragging and stuff, but like, oh, I think I think, he, I think second I, second third time he's done it, but he hates it. Well, I think I do. I think it. I do an okay job in in my role. <laughs> I don't I, like. I'm not the world's best person in it, but I'm definitely not the worst. So yeah. I think like when you talk about that kind of stuff, I really, I really would like to, the opportunity to challenge myself in another sport at some point soon. So in my time at Notre Dame and here, I've been in soccer the whole time. Yeah. Um, it's great. It's done a lot of things for me, like a game that or a sport that I didn't necessarily maybe appreciate as much back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like at school, like we'd hang a bit of crap on soccer because that was what we did. Like as Aussie, for Aussie rules footballers, it was part of the part and parcel of the game. And, okay. But as I've grown and been around the sport, you understand the nuances of the sport, what makes it great, all that kind of stuff. But for me, like yeah, I played AFL, but I also play basketball and stuff as well. So like the NBA or, or getting back into football yeah. is something that I would potentially like to look at down the track as well. Okay, let's talk about um, your time in the American sports now, okay? Yeah. So you've obviously worked in college and you've worked in the pro ranks. Yeah. I would like to know from you, the, say what a day in the life is like for you in both in both environments, okay. if you can remember. Like if obviously your time at Notre Dame was a few years ago now, yeah. but if it was to be now, how do you how do you think it would be structured? Would like are the two roles similar, the same? Like what's what, what are the key differences? So they're, they're really different, especially if you're in a, an Olympic sport role where you're working with three or four teams. Because at that point, r- quick rundown of a day is you've probably got two training groups in the morning. What time's the morning here? Like 6 a.m. So okay. you have a group in. So generally, like just say I use a Tuesday, for example, in when I was over there, I'd have um, rowing at 6 and 6.50. So we'd clear out the weight room so football could get set up at 7.40. So two 50-minute lift groups. Then generally, we'd go over. That'd be in the erg room, do something. Then there'd be a performance meeting. So that's basically coaches, administrator, academic support, athletic trainer, medicine, everyone, nutritionist, everyone in this meeting. We go through the roster, we have a chat about them. So we quickly run through that, probably half hour, grab some breakfast after that. Then it might be some programming, those kind of things for the morning. And then generally there may be an athlete that missed a lift or something on another day. It's like, hey, do you want to come make it up? So they'll come in and you coach them for an individual session. And then afternoon, start looking at some stuff, maybe get a personal training session in. So you get a lift in, go for a run, whatever that is. Then in the afternoon, it might be, all right, we've got soccer training. Go out to soccer training, like run the GPS, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, then in the evening, you may have like a golf lift or something afterwards. So it's very back to back to back. And mm-hmm. then you've, you've, you've essentially got to wear a different personality for each team. Because the way you speak to a rowing athlete, a female athlete, is different to the way you, you banter with one of the soccer boys. Yeah. To the way you coach a women's golf player is completely different. So you've got to have that persona of a different like mentality of the way you approach everyone. And you've got to make sure that you're switched on as a coach to be ready for that group when they come in. Mm-hmm. So that was different. But then when I moved into the more of the sports science role, I still did S&C with soccer. So that had a big priority. But then when I was running data for a lot of other sports and helping alongside Duncan French integrate the program across like all our sports there, it was interesting because like you go to a meeting with the women's basketball coach 
and it's very different environment and a coach's meeting and the way she wants to go versus you go to men's lacrosse, different yeah. personality. And yeah. then you might go to, I might still be connecting with rowing. And then you go for like lunch with the, with a colleague and you're then discussing something about their program and how we're going to implement some, some technology or whatever into their program. And then you go to soccer, set out the GPS, make sure coach is right. Training session plan's good. Then go to football, code that live, and it's just absolute chaos for about two hours, like watching a football training session. <laughs> then you come in, you're grabbing pods, and then you sit in the office for two hours, running data, getting reports to Coach Kelly, making sure Jake knows what's happening, and uh, that's a football strength coach at Notre Dame. And then, then I finally get to the soccer stuff, and then I'd send boss his report late in the evening. So that was a very jam-packed day. And then we're in the pro ranks. It's it's a lot more structured. Like We know what's happening every day. You're, you're worrying about a certain group of athletes now, managing staff is a little bit different as well like you're making sure each team is looked after that that coach from that team knows what's happening um and all those kind of things so for me right now um like you get in the morning that's you generally want to take care of like the office work kind of stuff like emails all the, all the if you want to say the boring stuff and then by eight like once it hits eight um generally try and grab a bite to eat but then after that either in the locker room on the floor whatever it takes speak to our coaches make sure our training session's done and then once that happens, head out to training, run warm-up, run re- rehab, whatever it is. There might be a lift afterwards. So you're downloading GPS and collecting the data and getting that starting to process. Coach a lift, grab some lunch, and then reports, individual meetings, whatever it takes in the afternoon, meet with administration, a front office, that kind of stuff. And then if you get time later in the day, generally you get to your personal health stuff that you lift about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It sounds like things are easier in the pro ranks. There's a lot more structure, yeah, because you're only like – Yes, we are, we have a first team, a second team, an academy, and a women's team. But within that thing, uh, within that structure, for me, it's so much easier because I, I have a focus and we've got goals that we're trying to achieve. We're in college. Academics plays a role. Yeah. Uh, this plays a role. A team just may not be good enough. We're here. Like, whether we're good enough or we're not, we're still trying to win games, if yeah. that makes sense. We're yeah. there. It just changes. The mentality is a little bit different. So the structure of the pro ranks is something I really like. And the structure that we have here, although college football has the academic side that plays a role in it at most universities, it, with that, the um, when we look at the college football, it's very similar to pro, hence why those guys have a lot of success when they get drafted immediately. Some of them, the ones that are technically, tactically, physically able, yeah. they can progress really fast because they've been in an environment, yes, they've gone to school, but they've been in an environment that has a lot of structure and those kind of things. And for me, I like the pro environment because... The day's laid out, guys know what's happening, we know what's happening, and it's easy to execute. Which do you think, which do you feel is more rewarding? Which role? It's tough because like I, even at home, I'd worked in development like okay. the whole time. So I'd worked with high school kids at home in the, obviously in the draft development system. So seeing kids get drafted, seeing them have success, like growing as people, that kind of stuff, which is great. And ultimately in college, there's, if you win a national championship, they've obviously gone through a lot when it comes to academics, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, but then to have the ultimate team success as well is very rewarding for everyone. So for for me, like that's great. But then in the pro ranks, like in the end, it's like, like I'm a win guy. Like, mm. I love to win. Like and for me, it's like around that kind of stuff. Like we want to win, and it's like how can we get those little advantages in different ways? And to me, like like when we go on the road and we we pull off a big win and stuff like that, or it's a playoff game and and a game that we shouldn't win. Like and we take the yeah. points in those. To me. Those are rewarding moments, and then if we ultimately have the chance to bring home a championship, like that's like, and it's the same in the collegiate ranks. But those things is what, like, memories and that galvanizes a group that you're never gonna forget. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I see that. I was gonna ask you a question about which is the bigger job, 
but it's a tricky one to ask because it depends college to college and things like this as well. Because one thing that blew my mind was when I came over here and I saw the importance of, say, college football, yeah. like how Saturday is dedicated to it and so on. And then I see basketball come like March time, how that's like takes the national stage, you for know, a month, yeah. literally for a whole month. And with that, you then start to hear about like coaches' salaries and things like this. And back home and anywhere else apart from here, the thought of someone choosing to go and be a head coach for a college team whether it's football, whatever, instead of going to the pro ranks and being in the NBA or the NFL, like it wouldn't make sense. But then when you see, like, who was I think was it the Florida coach that was recently um, sacked or fired or whatever? And Florida State, yeah, and, and I think the value of his contract was like twenty something, twenty three million, twenty three, twenty three million. They have people that are associated with like boosters that they basically got to round up the money to pay him out. It like what you know what I mean? Like it blows my mind because. They're a bunch of amateurs, essentially, yeah. even though they do have lots of hopes for the pro ranks. And perks that come with being yeah. in school for free. And yeah. Well, let's not go into that just now. We're not trying to get cancelled, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, but they, they get scholarships. Yeah. So it's, it's free schooling. If you're on a scholarship, it's free schooling. Okay, so actually, no, let's talk about that then. So is that is that the side you sit on, that free schooling outweighs the fact that you're still an amateur and can't get paid for certain things? Uh, I, I'm right in the middle of this, I'll be honest. Like, I don't lean either way. I understand both sides of the story, um, and I appreciate both sides of the story. The biggest issue <sighs> I have with it is... First guy to sit on the fence. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my the God. biggest issue I have with it is the people that immediately take one side, but they don't understand the whole situation. We've mm-hmm. got, we got a lot of like armchair analysts mm-hmm. around, and we've got a lot in our locker room. Like, let's just name, names, like name names, name names, name names. Oh, well, sure. well, we, don't, we won't go there yet, but like, we've got a <laughs> okay, few guys. Soon, soon, soon. We're getting warm. Yeah, but we're just getting warm here. Like, yeah. But yeah, the, we've got a few guys like that. So it's always interesting, um, like people understanding the situation. And, and when you've been in around a bigger university and you've got friends that work at other big universities, you understand the demands and that kind of stuff. And should there be a full salary remuneration? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. But should there be a little bit added into what they get? Probably because of what they go through kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not saying they should be on a $100,000 a year to blanket statement, but maybe if there's like extra things we can give them to make, if you want to say life a little bit easier and them to be able to cope in life, like yeah. I, I think we can find a balance between both of having just a scholarship and some free apparel essentially um, versus actually paying them and paying them good wages that it's not about getting a wage at that point yeah i think so your view of it is obviously coming from having been on the inside and you've seen how it works and all that yeah. stuff and you know i don't necessarily sit on one side or the other but so you're on the fence as well i said i don't necessarily oh okay i, I depends who i'm speaking to <laughs> so say zach moss was on here and he was talking about what his life is like and so on and so forth and then when I relate to my perspective, my perspective is one whereby on a, sat- on a Saturday, I watch all the college football. Yep. So when I see that and I see how big the sport actually is yep. and how big certain teams are and how big certain plays actually are. 100%. If, if you were to see, say how many times, is it Joe Burrow or whatever? Yeah. How many times his name has been mentioned in the last week? In the media. Yeah. And then to say, well, you know, he's got scholarship. Like if there was... if. I think LeBron James might have been mentioned a similar amount of times in that period of time. And obviously, he's a professional. Let's, let's, he's a top. Hey, hey, Hold on. I've not I finished. Think, I think Hold on, LeBron James finished. and Joe Burrow, I think finished. we're getting to a sticky um, situation no, no, no. right here. Obviously, he's a professional and he is a legendary professional with that. But when we're talking about solely airtime, yeah. the, the two people could arguably be said to be getting the same amount of airtime. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree in some respect. So my case, when I sit on the side of the athletes, 
isn't necessarily for the day-to-day life that they live and how it costs X amount. My bigger point is the size of the industry itself and how the money, how little money is arriving at the door of the people who are responsible for the entertainment. 100%. And, I, and where I agree with you on this is like, let's use the Chase Young situation, which has been a big topic over here over the last month, yeah. probably. Like for people that don't know, basically had someone pay for his girlfriend's flight so she could go watch their bowl game last year is essentially the crux of what it was. So maybe it's, or and probably accommodation as well. So the number isn't, clearly defined of what it is but he then gets suspended two games because he can't take that money it's written in the ncaa rules yet this guy is arguably the best player in college football right now if you listen yeah. to the analysts and stuff and he's a game changer and he's going to be a probably top three top five pick in the draft and he has to he had to miss two games because he made an error and took money or he's whoever it was gave him money to fly his girlfriend to a game and to me if he's got the ability and that's his profile and he has the chance to do that, to me, that's perfectly fine. That's one of those situations where I completely agree the athlete yeah. is getting a bit screwed over. Like, I would I would say that it's different athlete to athlete because certain athletes, like I mentioned Joe Burrow, like yeah. he's going to be spoken more about than, say, the corner for San Diego State or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That Their games aren't going to be on TV as much. So it's yeah. not a case of everyone being on the same level. But when you do basically command the attention in what is arguably the second or third biggest sport in this country yeah in this moment like it feels like certain people are missing out oh 100 you know I mean? yeah like not obviously not everyone because not everyone knows everyone in the same way like lebron james is getting paid more than jared dudley or whatever yeah. you know what i mean like you don't speak of jared dudley but <laughs> everyone speaks of lebron james even though they play on the Jar- same Jar- team. jared's doing well at the moment she's been a good cheerleader for the league well yeah you know he gets his minutes, but, he gets but, his minutes. But, hey but like those guys like guy like that he's a cheerleader right now and he's he's like the 12th guy on the bench and Obviously got some minutes against the Jazz last yeah. night. The Jazz weren't very good. Yeah. Um, but he's an important cog and like a veteran leadership with some with like a guy like Kyle Kuzma that, that like needs some leadership direction probably still yeah, a second of course, player. Yeah. So like it's it's interesting at that level team dynamic and veterans versus young guys and how they all fit together and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but the, as I say, the bigger point I was trying to say was like as I say, I don't sit on I don't necessarily sit on either side and I do hear both sides, but to hear that Chase Young's tuition is paid for doesn't really weigh up the fact that, say, if he went first in the draft next year, he's, he's going to get a deal for thirty. He's going to get a twenty-something million dollar bonus. Yeah, and that money there is probably justified the amount of attention that he's brought to TV within the last year, two years that he's been playing at Ohio State. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Yeah. So anyway, let's skip all that. Let's skip all that. Move on from that. So from when we're, we're you're you're younger than me. Yeah, you're younger. Okay, you're so so we're I'm 28 and you're 27. Yeah, a few years just, ago, just just young pups. <laughs> yeah, two tired old men in here. But um, sports science, it's a perfectly accepted thing now. Yeah. When I first started playing, though, it was not. I remember I was 15, I think, and I was just starting to come in full time. And it's the very first time that someone said, "Oh, you you have a core. We want to try and work on core," and that. I was like, oh my god, we're talking about core. This is transverse abdominals. Yeah, transverse abdominals. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what's this? Someone says sports science. I was like, what, what are you going on about or whatever? Because you had a fitness coach, but it started to become more scientific around then. Yeah. So I'm looking at probably early 2000s when people yeah. start to speak about it more and respect it more. And it's changed a lot for me because back in my day, the people that were in charge of fitness overall, like they obviously had one or two who were trying to make it more scientific, but overall, it was a case of well. You know, this is what you're gonna do. They could look and say you're not fit enough. They can look yeah. and say you're too fat. They can you say you don't do this, you don't do that. That still could, happens, though. Let's be honest. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does still happen. It does still happen. But a lot of those dinosaurs now are making up the minority instead of yep. the majority. You yep. know what I mean? More teams are buying in. More coaching staff are buying in. I think that some of it comes due to the fact that success can be gained through actually having data and yep. seeing what is required to be successful. Obviously, you do need your talent. Yep. 
we need the whole picture you yeah. know keeping people available making people maximize their their ability to go out there or whatever like the biggest change for me uh, you can tell me i won't tell me about you how you've seen it change working within the industry yeah. but the biggest one of the biggest changes for me was from back when i first started yeah. compared to now is that now i can ask why we're doing something and with good performance coaches you'll always get an answer why yeah. and the answer will be linked to something which is to make you a better athlete across all sports whereas back when if you ask why they'll say right you're doing it again get get on the line you're gonna get another rep out you know what i mean and people live by that just fine you know what i mean that was what that era was then but i would say pit any team now against most teams back then i'd say i'd say all teams back then relatively yeah. speaking yeah and the team today would beat team back then regardless of the talent of the team back then because the game is so different now yeah you know what I mean? So, like I say, I saw a big change, and I fully buy into it. You know, like I, yeah. I love it. I speak to you all the time about yeah. what we're doing. What's this for? What's that for? I know it's that. I know it's this. Like, it, it can't get enough information. But like, as I say, how, how does, how has it changed for you on that side of it? Because it's, like, I've seen it change so much. But how's it changed for you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, like when we talk about that, is like when I got into the industry, like even what was it now, fourteen years ago, probably is when I sort of started. Like that was when I first went into a, a team gym if you want to say it like that and then probably 12 years ago when I actually started working in an organized environment in the TSC Cup it was like like even from them for me there was still like why are we having this rest interval all that kind of stuff it would just mm -hmm. cut it down to like looking at a running session kind of thing like why are we doing this rest interval how does this help improve aerobic fitness aerobic power anaerobic fitness anaerobic power like sprinting uh, anaerobic reserve whatever it is like that was always a question and I think that's where I was sort of lucky when I went through university like you sort of you don't learn it all in the classroom and that's the biggest thing in our industry is a lot of people like I had the question yesterday from our new sports science intern Tammy that just started she was like what books do I read to learn about GPS mm -hmm. like it doesn't work like that mm -hmm. like it's such an intuition feel self-knowledge network all that kind of thing helps create that portfolio of information and that mindset to what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah. So with that kind of stuff, so like I've always based a lot of my practices around things that I've read, people that I've worked with, people that I've connected to, um, all that kind of stuff. So when I look at um, like that, back in the day, it was very subjective. Like I'd ask you, how do you feel? Was that easy? Was yeah. that hard? Um, and that was the scientific as we got. Like we didn't have GPS and stuff when I started at, at the level I was at. And then we got a couple of units for training, so you'd throw them on a couple of guys, you'd try and objectify stuff, and the quality of the data wasn't very good, but mm -hmm. you'd still use it because like, the research was saying it was great. Then as I've grown and come over here, when I started at Notre Dame, there was a lot of people that, that contacted me as they saw an Aussie, which is linked to sports science. It's like the UK is linked to sports science. It's like they contacted, like, hey, we want to bring you our product. Yeah. Great, but like, actually, how does it help us? Yeah. That's the biggest thing, and it comes down to what you said. Like, you like the data, you seek it out, and we have conversation about it where when we look at some of the other guys or some of the other teams around, they just wear the unit and they don't care what it says. Right. Like, like how's that then, how is the data we're collecting impacting your life, your mm -hmm. practices, your recovery, all this kind of stuff? Because, the, and the other buzzword in, in the industry, and it's been a buzzword for a, a while and it, and it still is in my opinion, is individualization of stuff. Like yeah. everything has to be individual to me, Yeah. which I get that. You're not Dami, Dami's not Albert. Albert's not Kyle. Yeah. Like, it's the reality of the world we live in. But like when we're individualizing that, if we're not measuring something to make the right actionable decision off that to help you, mm -hmm. we're just guessing. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is like we're just trying to take the guessing out of it, but also we want to keep it to somewhat of a simplistic level 
that we're not getting caught down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Because I've seen so many people go down rabbit holes in this sports science data analytics kind of path now. You get caught down there and you just like, what are we doing? Like yeah. kind of thing. So for me now, it's like focus on, we have our core things that we believe in as a, as a staff and that our coaching staff believes in. And these are the metrics that we're going to trust when it comes to GPS, like force plates. We have some other things like if we're looking at heart rate data we have some other things that we look at but we're not looking at every metric available we found the ones that we have trust in it the research is validated and then we use those to help better drive our decision making have conversation and put the athlete in the best positions for one physical success but two performance on the field and then that ultimately culminates in team success yeah 100 percent. like everything you said there has been spot on and i was going to raise it as a separate topic in a second like what is performance but yeah through that, you've been Nate talking about the GPSs, the heart rate straps, yeah. you know, the force plates and all this stuff. And you could get an, a near infinite amount of data from all that. Yeah. But as you say, and I say this to my, I used to say this to one of my friends who was, um, who is a professional golfer and he had a unit called a TrackMan, which used to yeah. provide him with lots of data. But I don't think he was brilliant at essentially understanding the numbers. Yeah. Like I'm a statistics guy, like that's what I did in school. And I can relate his statistics to his game yeah but he just goes hunting for a certain number to change even though it doesn't effect, essentially affect his overall performance you know what i mean yeah. and i think the, there will be people up and down the country all around the world who have all this information but the stuff that they're chasing and trying to improve is of no value whatsoever yeah. you know what i mean whereas there are other people who are working smarter yeah and pinpointing even it could be it feels like it could be for one person this matters whereas for the other person this does not you 100%. know what i mean instead of just like a blanket chase of this goal or whatever. Like I've had, I think this was getting on 10 years ago now. I I just managed to avoid this because I came late. But in a preseason, we, uh, this was when I was at Sunderland, used to go into, I think, a spin room. Yeah. And it was one of those things where we had the heart rate things on the, on the board and everyone had to do the same session. But if your heart rate didn't hit this particular point, you were going to be penalized. You weren't working hard enough. Exactly. Even though people are different like they're efficient differently so you're, people you're more powerful in your legs you're more aerobically fit whatever exactly, it is exactly yeah but that's what it was and you know through data they were looking at the heart rate yeah but realistically it wasn't helping anyone yeah. because it didn't really you did not appreciate the fact that every player is essentially just that little bit different in terms yeah. of how they might respond to certain sessions yeah so that was that's complete nonsense and you so you're the you're the data guy and i, I like numbers like i basically live by numbers I, yeah. I, I love it it's as sad as it is but i can see when so you send us so Matt sends us reports of training sessions in games straight after they're done and it's for you to see and if you don't understand you can speak to him you can ignore it because lots of people do ignore it because yep. they're just traditional or whatever but there's a group of people who really look into it and you can see a game through the numbers and it's great for me because it i like facts and with numbers you can get rid of this whole perception it's not subjective everything's exactly, subjective yeah. and that's yeah. that's our club mantra right now is probably the best way to say it when i say club mantra like that's from the top down front office down yeah. like we want to make objective decisions mm -hmm. not gut sub, gut based subjective decisions at least then we know we're doing everything based off like evidence yeah. rather than based off opinion because we know opinion gets like made very opinion is biased all the time 100 percent of the time like you, you when people believe that they're, they're being objective there's it's always like something on the force plate like very biased oh, i'm gonna talk about him i'm gonna talk about him let's not jump right, in just okay. i'm, I'm okay. very close to talking about him very okay. very close i knew so, that had to come up oh it's 100 percent coming up so like i say with the information you give it's perception versus the reality of the situation like uh, there was a game in pre-season we had and i was playing um alongside donny toyer i think it was yep 
and we were fine in the first half. Then in the second half, we got absolutely killed. And I was like, what is going on here? This is insane. Like, why are we getting killed? And I didn't realize, I, was, I spent, after the game finished, and I was trying to figure out, I was talking to him, like, this was so hard. Like, are they really good? We felt like we were always outnumbered. And this was like, like we'll just clear for everyone. Like, we were playing, essentially, it was the last 90-minute game yeah. of preseason. So we were playing on a Wednesday, I think it was. That yeah. was the Wednesday game. So this was like our second 18, or our second 11. Yeah playing at someone else's second 11 yeah. and then our first 11 was going to play on the weekend yeah and i was just confused like what is going on here like are they that good are we that bad like what's happening and then you sent the information through for the session and there was one particular individual who won't be named who tried maybe 70 percent, whereas everyone else was at 100 and then all of a sudden you can put the two things together and with data because it's objective you can almost put someone in a corner and say well are you unwilling or are you unable? Yep. And realistically, most of the people you play with are plenty able. It's all mindset. So now you look at someone, you say they're unwilling and they can't hide from that number. Like that number associates itself with you. Yeah. And you can say, yeah, but, but I can say, yeah, but this is here. And as a consequence, we lost the game. Yep. That's a far bigger correlation than how you believe you played in the game. Yeah. You get what I mean? Like, just, like, you, like you had three touches, you had two shots on goal. If, if we're talking about a striker, for example. Yeah. And but you didn't play, apply any defensive pressure. That means the ball's getting to the halfway unopposed every yeah. time, and then we've got to defend in two blocks of four. 100%. Where if, if you've got a winger that has one shot, and but he presses like anything, like we'll name a player on our team that, that runs a lot, Corey Baird, yeah. like he'll run and press and works as hard as anyone. Um, but with that information, he may have three shots that fly over the bar, but he forces three turnovers in our attacking third, mm-hmm. which all... T- correlate to shots on goal yeah. so to me that's a, that's as much of a greater impact and we're seeing that through the data yeah. than we are through anything else but the perception would be that the first player who had the three shots had the better game yeah. than Corey who's known to kick shots over the bar you yeah. know what I mean that's Corey's thing but <laughs> you know when it comes down to it I'll, I'll remember the game not for him missing the shot but for him helping the team overall because yeah. in the grand scheme of the 90 minutes he'll have more minutes affecting us in a positive manner than the person who is solely trying to score the goal and won't help the team out defensively because it's not at the end of the day it's not a game where you attack for 90 minutes no like you have to do both yeah if you choose not to do both then there'll be consequences and with data as well you i've said the accountability there yeah but then there's a competitive nature of it 100 percent. so in our place every monday after we play a game on the on the saturday yeah we've got force plate testing which is essentially like a jumps test to see how your body's responded in terms of recovery or whatever neuromuscular fatigue and just looking at some some recovery metrics and stuff like that yeah so and as well on the tuesday we have uh we tend to have sprints don't we is it three two strides three strides Uh, so it just depends on the week and and the loading scheme that we're in but like the whole goal like people at home like you want to expose athletes to maximal sprinting velocity that there's correlation or research that supports decreased risk in soft tissue injuries in the, in the legs so mm-hmm. so it's obviously an important part of our program and we do them in a straight line we've done some curve stuff before so we oh, change don't it don't do up. the curve stuff yeah, ever again that, that's that, hell on earth yeah i know that didn't help you out but yeah, um, that nearly but, retired me that one yeah, seriously but, we, but we, we we generally do it in a straight line but it's easier to mat, to get it done in a short period of time it's not like it's a one person at a time go we can sort of line up as a group and go a couple of lines and so we do that on a Tuesday generally, yeah. Yeah, so we're not going to name too many names just now, but yeah. like I say, with the, when you do the force plate test, yeah. when you do the sprint test, and you know that the information is going to be shared, yep. nobody wants to feel embarrassed because now you're accountable. That's your number. That's yep. what you stand by. Yep. Some people try and play off like, cool, like, well, you know, I didn't really want to try and this, that, and the other. Yeah, you know, get the shoulders. Like, nah, it's not really my thing. But then when your peers, people who are just like you, are finding success, it gets competitive. 
you push yourself, you push yourself, you push yourself. And that's one of the be- beauties of data is the fact, as I say, it's like, it's objective. You know, yeah. you can, if you know your max and you're not near it, why are you not near it? If you And it's okay to be not near it sometimes. Yeah, that's the of thing. Course. But but everyone's like it's, it's self conscious. Yeah. But you wanna be at your best. Yeah. If you if you need two more centimeters to get to the top of the rankings, are you gonna stop trying? Are you gonna try and get the extra two? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then if you win the lead and someone now jumps ahead of you, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna respond or are you just gonna yeah. leave it? You know, it it raises a nice competitive atmosphere amongst your among like sets a fire off inside you, yeah. which then affects the rest of your teammates and that thing, that sort of it's like a rush of energy and it's a great environment to be in when it gets that competitive, you know, because everyone's at 100%. And I think adding to that, like by creating that competitive atmosphere in the weight room in the morning, that just transitions onto the field afterwards, which then makes the quality of training rather than guys having to go out there and get ready to go. They've already got the endorphins and stuff firing and they're ready to roll when they get out there. So it means the warm up flows easier, get through passing. Then we're into like tactical and playing kind of stuff. And it's more enjoyable. Yeah, 100%. And don't get me wrong, as we'll see in a second, it's not like everybody can be at the top, but you can still be at your maximum. And you can, even if you can't compete to be in the top five or whatever, you can still compete to do better than you did the last time. You're pushing yourself. I agree. It's about being the best you. Exactly. like, Like, I'm not the fastest runner in the world. Ugh, that's an understatement. Not not the fastest, but but you can set the metronome and you can run for a long but, uh, time. But I'm an aerobic beast. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. So <laughs> like I'm an aerobic monster. So we'll just yeah, we'll you're, you're my exact nightmare. Like you are the exact opposite of me sitting across from me. Yeah. I hate all that nonsense. Yeah, what but like but like even this morning in there, just knock out a few runs with the boys. Like, listen, it's a good fun for me. A two minute run is too long. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Ten seconds. Ah, oh, don't even get me started. Eleven maximum. <laughs> But yeah, we didn't say as well the Tuesday session for the high speed thing. Yeah. Like again, we get the information back about the top speed that you reach. So yep. it's not necessarily a race, it's about that top speed that yep. you hit. Yeah. And it's a great feeling to be near the top. Yeah. And a lot of people are very close to it. So we've probably got like Don't top, name names. No, I'll no, name we'll, names in a bit. We'll Don't not name names. It. Like thirty six and a half is that sharp. That's kilometers per hour. Kilometers per hour. So yeah. we're, we're, over, we're over 10 meters per second or yeah. um, like a lot of miles per hour. I think it's like 23, 24 yeah, miles per hour. So, it is, so yeah. it's sharp, like definitely quick. Um, but then 35 and then a, then high 34s. We've got a bunch of guys, yeah, probably seven or eight guys in that range. Yeah. Exactly. So on a week, and you only get one opportunity to do this like yep. throughout the week. So yep. it sticks with you for seven days. Listen, exactly. Like, so with that, like that's again, that's competitive. Yep. If like, oh, everyone just come on the line, we're going to do some strides. Everyone tries to play off like, ah, it's, it's Or there's a couple fine. of guys that moan and have yeah, Oh, God, we're doing this again. We're doing this, yeah. And then next thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, I, I love all that. I love that competitive nature. Yeah. And it is pushing people because I think within the game that we play, sometimes you can get very, very comfortable and just go through the motions. But that then starts to affect the stuff like actually on the field itself, yeah. you know. And if you can have a culture where everything is, you give your all, then well, there's nothing else to really worry about. You yeah. know, you can play well, you can play badly. But the fact is, you would have been productive to a certain element because you've given your all. Yeah. But what is the anatomy, would you say, of someone who you like to work with, like the anatomy of an elite player uh, in terms of performance? Like I've got, for the best of the best now that I can think of, these guys are like robust. You know, they don't necessarily need to be the fastest player yeah. or the strongest player, but they're robust and they're at their maximum. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they are pushing themselves. They're motivated. They're consistent. You know what I mean? Like yep. those are my, those are my big things. And when I see yep. those characteristics within players, I know that those will end up having good careers. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, to end up here, you you must be a good player. Yeah. To a certain level, you know what I mean. To have arrived here, but when you have those characteristics, you've got all the potential to have 
a really good career you know what i mean like what how do you see it what type of characteristics characteristics do you see like for me like in the position that i come from like i like someone that's a go-getter and self-motivated okay. like that that's really important to me because like if you're going to like drag a guy into the weight room get him to lift these kind of things like he doesn't really want to be there and then it just it's always a bit awkward so you that guy that comes in is like hey let's get after it today yeah. kind of thing so so that kind of stuff or if it's he comes in on a wednesday which is traditionally an off day for us like he comes in He's like, I want to do some extra work. Like, that's great. Yeah. Um, but let's make sure it fits within your program. You have a conversation, you get it done. So someone that's a go-getter, self-motivated. But then when you're talking actually about physical qualities, like like now being the more I've been around sport and seeing AFL, um, which no offense to AFL players, like one of the hardest physical traits or one of the sports with most the most physical traits required to perform it because you need to have strength. You need to have some size, yeah. you need to have aerobic capacity, you need to be able to turn, change direction, all that kind of stuff. You need to sort of tick every box a bit. But for me, like those guys that are elite power athletes that have some aerobic capacity mm-hmm. um, is like, that's insane to me. Like, hence my love for the NBA and stuff yeah, like that as yeah. well. Like to me, those guys have some physical qualities that you can't develop those, what those guys have. Like that's inherent, like yeah. that's genetic kind of thing. So like, like to me, that speed, strength, power stuff is so cool and then guys the other things that i find or the other quality that i find really attractive in an athlete is that repeatability mm-hmm. the one that can work and work and work and work but at a high intensity yeah you have the people like me that will run all day mm-hmm. but then you have the guys like use Corey as an example that can run at high intensity over yeah. repeated efforts like that kind of stuff just being able to grind someone into the ground and to me when i think of those kind of qualities i think tennis yeah. like there's like you go on a five-set match at wimbledon like someone like the Fed or like no, like Novak or like even Nadal, like you've got to have that durability and the robustness, as you say, but you've got to have that the ability to raise the intensity. But then you've also got to have the mental capacity to withstand the concentration during the long period of time. So I think the person that can concentrate as well, because in so many sports now, it's one plays the difference in the yeah. win and the loss. So mm. for you me, you never know what it's going to be either. You yet. never know, and it's so often in that last ten or fifteen minutes. So mm. for me, like the ability to concentrate and just not lose concentration that's really attractive for me in an athlete do you think Corey knows how much of an asset that ability to be at high intensity actually is not really yeah. i think he's he's still learning like he's seen it in the collegiate environment like he come from a, a college and a system where they trained really hard and and did a lot of work so but i think for him is like he he always had a bit of a, a stigma around it. He thought he was he's gonna cramp and or he has cramped a little bit oh, in the past stuff. So he's so soft. He's so soft. But like when we but if you get past that, like he's a guy that actually needs a lot of training. Yeah. Like he's it's almost like a racehorse with him, if yeah. you know what I mean. Like he's he needs a lot of work. Well we've got other guys that are not as robust mm-hmm. and a little bit more fragile, mm-hmm. if you want to say it like that. And those guys need particular work is yeah. the way I like to put it. It's not they don't need no work and they don't need a ton of it, but they need particular work. Like there's certain things like, like I, 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 I look at you, for example, like we need to make sure like we get speed, strength, power and fuse. That's your assets yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then there's other guys that we need to make sure, like even Albert to that extent, like has very good speed qualities that we just got to make sure we expose him to those demands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So talent, alone won't necessarily make you a good player like it really does help you know because if you don't have it you won't be able to have a career but for me like i've always had a good relationship with my performance coaches yeah. right the way throughout my career like to name a few there's obviously you there was henry that came before you i've got my guy back in england john webb who's still looking after me to this yeah. day um a john phillips guy called dan bernardin and everyone is trying to push 
the envelope to a point where you're always learning you're trying to make you know make things better make the athletes better and i think i have good relationships with you guys because not because i just love to lift weights you know yeah. i can lift weights i don't love to lift weights yeah but i love improving yeah and for me like the road to improvement always runs through you guys like some people want to deny it and you can you know you work the stuff that is on the field is really important like it really really is really important but the best players get both things going even if it's a case of not necessarily doing 10 pull-ups but about making sure you're robust because one of the biggest assets of any player is the the, the skill of being available yeah availability if if you're not available you're a detriment to our team exactly you could be the most talented player in the world but if you're not available then like what if you play three games that means we had a chance you had a chance to get us nine points if you play 34 games exactly whatever the math is on that 102 or whatever the number works out to be like you have a chance to get us 102 points yeah no one's getting 102 points in MLS but as we've seen like that number's 50 yes so if you can take not even half the points in this league Mm -hmm. you're almost guaranteed a playoff spot every year yeah so for me it's like if we can have our best players play like 30 games, like, and that's like on the low end, like I'm yeah, saying we'll end, give yeah. them four games off. When I say four games off, like four Just, games out. But like we look at like our data this year, like we had a pretty strong year. When I say strong year, a low injury rate, like, rate year this year. Yeah. And like it, it correlates in like starting lineups, having continuity and those kind yeah. of things. And that's so important in people developing trust on the field people getting fitter, stronger, mm-hmm. um, adhering to the game plan, and then ultimately that culminates in results. Yeah, for sure. You know, the way the game is, is the way the way game's played has changed so much across the years. Yeah. And if you're not physically capable, you're not going to be afforded the opportunities to play like people once were. You know, when it was a time of just subjectivity and say, oh, you know, this guy can play, he can make a pass, he doesn't need to run, blah, blah, blah. And obviously those exceptions do exist, but they tend to not last very long. You know, you can't rely on that guy who has talent but no ability to to remain healthy or no ability to be able to run. They're not going to have a 10, 15-year successful career. They might have a real big peak at one point, yep. but the drop-off is going to be huge. But anyway, let's um, let's get to the real reason why I called you on today. All right? What's that? We're going to talk about some top threes. Yeah? Oh, some top threes. Top threes. You can do... We'll do, two, we'll do threes. Because a lot of people, like, they know the team from what they see on a Saturday but you really know the team from what you see Monday through Friday. It's just spending time with them, you yeah. know what I mean? This just sounds like you know, a bit of a tangent. Notre Dame Athletic Director always spoke in three, so I love the way it just right, comes I'll say two's then, no, top no, two. No, let's go top three. So <laughs> right. To me, like, there's always three. You okay. can never narrow it down to two. Top three. I'm not going to be involved in this. You can't name me just because if you do, and then people look at me like, you know, this is a, just an ego trip for you. Use your own platform to make yourself great. But if like, you if you are the clear number one in that, I'll name three and then asterisk you just okay. so that people know because if there's something that you are clearly All right. the there's, best There's in, nothing on here that I'm clearly number one. I, okay. don't, I don't believe. Okay. Let's, unless you want to tell me otherwise. No, I won't then. Right, you ready? I am. So, we'll go traditional first. Say the whole squad at their peaks this season line up for a bleak test. So, this is like a, yeah, fitness, a, a, a test. fitness test. Who are the last three standing? Oh, this past season. Yeah, the people who who've been in who've played for the team in this last year. Oh wow, that's a that's a tough one. Straight off the bat, bang. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is this obviously, is how we do it on here. Yeah, no, but obviously, like beep test, you got to have multiple range of qualities here. You need the speed, you Listen, need the power, you need hey, the strength. Hey, I didn't just write this down just for no, the no, sake no. of it. I I'm it just telling true. the people at home, as they may just go like, like if you look, see the the footage on the game. <sighs> no, no, just tangent. Copying please already, embarrassing. No, 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 tangent. Like, so if you see the game numbers, like they do the the Comcast thing. I think yeah. it's called now on, on the game that we yeah. do. So, like, Dami wins that every game, yeah. but, like, Dami's a workhorse, but he's not necessarily the fastest guy. Yes, this is true. Top three. Who's left standing? I've got four. I've got a, a name in the four. Okay, the four that I have immediately come to mind. Cool. To come to mind. 
Lennon. Yes. Baird. Yes. Herrera. Yes. And Beesler. Beesler. Yeah. Underrated. You think so? Yeah. I've seen it before. You think Beasley's coming in fourth or higher? No, probably fourth. All right, we'll, we'll chop him out. I, I, I see the, the... The other three? Yeah, I see those. Yeah. I see those. I Is respect. there anyone else you'd throw in? <laughs> uh, uh, do you know what? Depending on his day, if he's fully healthy, what do you reckon for Luke? Not quick enough. You think so? Yeah, I think like 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 workhorse, like a game like Dami, but I think the speed would just get him at the end. Okay. Where Beasley. Has a, he's has sneaky, a, isn't he? He's, just, he's, he's, got, sneaky. he's got a sneaky spread, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. As much as that disappoints us. Yeah, it does, yeah. Right, so we do the force plate testing. Yeah. Top three in that. Beasler, one. Uh, was Brooks not higher than him last year? Yeah, I was going to say Lennon, two. Well, who was higher, though? I think Beasler got him in that last week when you he hit the so? 53, yeah. Um, so I think I think it was uh, Beasler, Lennon, and who would the third one have been? Because we only had three clear standouts last year. For the record, I was that clear standout. Yeah, Nathan was a 55 something. Yeah, um, but we don't want to talk about that. Who was the other one? Uh, I've got a couple of guys that come to mind. I know a couple of guys that cheated and did good scores. <laughs> yeah, we don't, but, we don't take the cheats. <laughs> um, who else? I know, I know Evan hit 50. Evan Finney from the Monarchs. Yeah, he got is a he 50. Gonna, is he going to be the one? Is yeah, he the only but, person to hit the 50s? I think he's the only other person to hit a 50. Someone will, someone will tell us that we're wrong, but yeah, I was <laughs> going to say Evan Finney. He definitely hit a 50 on multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, who's the strongest pound for pound? So not just lifting the biggest lifting the biggest amount of weight. Like who is the strongest pound strongest, for pound? It's really hard because we don't obviously do maximum yeah, one RM yeah. testing and stuff. So that, that's sort of hard to say. But if you said strongest person pound for pound. I'm going to throw Aaron Herrera in. Aaron Herrera would be close. Um, even though he's a little bit bigger than the other guys, Eric Holt's still going to be up there in yep. the conversation. Yep. Um, are we just saying generally or are we picking an exercise here? Uh, say, hmm, that's a good that's a good thing. We'll talk. We're saying... So we'll talk total, total spread, so, so uppers and lowers. So uppers. this might take Aaron out because he's a... He's not really a lowest guy, is he? Yeah, but he, it's there if he wants to. Right, okay. Um, so I'd still say if we if we tested and did a testing day, he'd probably totality still come in the top three. Um, we had a couple of guys make really good improvements last year, but I wouldn't say they're, they're in the top three. Um, Just need one more from you. Honestly, it's going to kill you when I say this. It's probably Beezer again. That'd, listen, I'd, yeah. I can I can believe it. Like He has got a spread. Yeah. So the whole team, again, I'm out this year. So yeah. the whole team of last year, you can take out Douglas for this year. Oh, okay. So the whole team lines up on the um, on, on the, the goal end line, and we. But we're only going to the halfway line. Yeah. Whistle goes race. Who's the Who's the first three? Who's the three? Ranking one, two, three. Oh, in order. In order now, not just the top three. In order. Jay Glad one. Okay. Um, we'll go. There's a guy that should be in the top three. Go on. But he probably wouldn't go hard enough. Who's this? Sam Johnson. You think Sam's top three? He, well, on the GPS, he's the far, he's arguably the fastest in the squad. Wow! So yeah, it's we just, do have glitches, but that's but, fine. But no, we did check, we verified that one. <laughs> um, so other three, it'll be Herrera because he's a racer. Yeah, I was he, say. he's he's a racer. So Aaron comes in third. Uh, but so, no, I'm saying Sam doesn't oh, go properly. Oh, okay, so I'm okay, going to okay, say okay. Justin, Aaron, third one. Oh, it's tight. It is, isn't it? There's a bunch of guys. It's like a head bob. Um, you've got probably Baird. You've got Lennon. I don't... Well... No, they, you've got Savarino that potentially there, but it, like uh, like there's a few guys that come out. Donny Toyer's just behind the Donnie's group. Donny's sneaky quick, isn't he? Sneaky quick, Donny Toyer. Yeah, sneaky quick. I would honestly probably say because it's competitive. Oh, it's controversial. Because it's competitive. Oh, it's, go on. I'm going to say Lennon purely because it's competitive. Oh, really? You yeah. think so? 
But mind you, he might might take half a step at the start, which might help him at the end. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's just talk about characters then. How about the hardest workers, top three? Who you seen in there all the time? Can't do enough. Like on the field or off the field? Off the field. Like in, Holt, the, in the gym. Holt, one, two, three. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a good answer. Uh, well, I, I'd, honestly, I'd add Tate Schmidt into there as well. Okay. Um, like he he works he works pretty hard. Um, like a lot yeah. of our younger guys work really hard. Who's number three though? Honestly, like you just pick someone. No, 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 no. This like people might not see this, but from our position, like never miss a session. Luis Ariaga. Yeah, he's yeah. In there all the time. Like does it look looks after himself? Does his work? Would you not back him a little bit for the for the beep test? I just don't think he has the the muscular maturity. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> just that's, that's a sneaky bit of shade, by the way. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot to say as well. So, Corey Baird had been trying to say, trying to set the narrative like he's the he's he's the quickest guy in the team, and he's quicker than me and all that stuff. And, yeah, you know, but you didn't even you didn't really name him. He was like a token gesture naming him. So I just wanted to put out that out there. Corey Baird is probably he might be top five. He's probably five to ten now. Yeah, he's probably five to ten. Yeah, you know, at least right. he, at least he tried though. Eh? Yeah, right. it's all about trying personal best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you just stick in that B race, my friend. You stick in that B race. <laughs> he's, he might be he might be a lane one or a lane eight guy. Yeah, yeah. He's there because we need them. You yeah, know what I mean? because you don't run a hundred final no, with, no, with no, four no. guys. You run it with eight. Yeah, you got to embarrass a couple. Course, of course, yeah. He's definitely a hundred meter finalist. He yeah. definitely comes across like that. So how who's got the most? potential three like the most potential in terms of they might not have reached it yet physical quality physical quality in terms of actually they can potentially lift they can be robust they've got potential to play 600 games they can run faster like who would you say Herrera won 100% yeah. um, I would if he would put on, if we could put some weight on him not if he'd put if we could put some weight on Justin, Justin Glad yeah. he'd be number two um, because again he's, he's pretty durable he's proved that apart from bone injuries he's yeah. been pretty durable number three just going around the locker room quickly here who else is because we're looking for someone that can reach potential yeah can. like their ceiling is actually a lot higher than they're at right now yeah no for sure I'm just thinking about who we've got just want to make sure I do miss no one as we go <laughs> around the room here um there's a, there's a couple of guys that come to mind. Um, honestly, I would say... Here we go. This is going to blow your mind, who I say right it now. It might not do. It might not do. Go on. Achoa. That has actually blown my mind. No, no, no. Okay, so you like I'm taking in no account of... The force plate testing, where you don't know if he's actually jumped off the force plate or not. No, no, no. Well, he's so low. He jumps off it. He clears it. We put a piece of paper under there, just, so we know yeah. he clears it. But the thing is, <laughs> single ply to, uh, toilet tissue. But tissue, the thing yeah. is, like, like he doesn't know what he can, yeah. what he can do yet. Like my thing with him is, if like, if he took two years and dedicated himself to physical prep, mm -hmm. like I think one very talented soccer player or very talented goalie, we should say. Mm -hmm. But two, I think he could be. He's got he's got a body type that if it fills out and puts some muscle, puts some size on, I think that could be a scary proposition. Scary, I ain't scared. Anyway, um, who would you have said for three then? I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Like I see, I kind of see where you're talking about going with Ochoa because he is so young and he does have the frame. Yeah. But like I say, I'm just I'm jaded by like seeing him try and jump in the morning. It's like it's I've never seen anything like it for you such can't a get young over the kid. Jam he's yeah, he's literally jumping like he's got a car on his shoulders. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's incredible. But then again, so that's the same for Tate Schmidt and the same for Corey Baird. I want to make sure nobody misses out on that title of just being terrible at jumping. Hey, let's add Maholland in. Let's just be fair. 
Yeah, yeah. Look, but he did. He got better this year. He did, but he's in he's in the thirties club, so I like kind of. I will cut him some slack. Yeah, he does. does he's one of our boys. You could north of the equator. Yeah, you could theoretically say you could say to me, like you know when I was twenty five, I used to jump fifties. But, but we know that's a joke, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. Who are your top three most powerful? So not necessarily strongest, but their ability to actually like exert power on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field. Asterisk, you won. Well, not even close. Well, Just so yeah. the people at home know. Yeah. Um, it's like we're talking the same kind of guys again. We're in that same huddle of guys, like powerful guys. Like, like if we're using force plate qualitative data, mm-hmm. um, like Beasley's in the top three. Herrera would be top three. The other guy that's in that group that's quick, has all those things, exerts power. Now, this one's going to surprise you as well. I can believe it now. I've heard it before. Savarino. Do you know what? Yeah, I can. I, like, I, I know people, for a fact the people who play with us who are listening to this now, and they'll be like, no, 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 no. But I, I think I can see it. So, like, guy, pretty small statured guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, we did some accelerations the other day uh, in the like, in the off-season program here. And literally over 10 yards was beating everyone by three. Yeah. Like, just, he's he's, quick, yeah. he's a elite acceleration. Like, yeah. very powerful. Like, if he hits the gym a little bit, scary proposition. It's funny because he has to walk past the, walk through it every day, couple, at least a couple of times. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's only if he goes to the meal room. This is true. This is true. If you walk the other way, you don't do it, do you? Yeah, you come through the back door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me round off this section by just asking, like, who are your top three most rounded, like, people who would you'd send forward as being examples of top performance within RSL? When you say top performers, like across like the board? Or? All across the board. So they might have weaknesses, but these are the people who would use as examples. Like, I, so I would go, I would have to say Beasley, which is annoying. Yeah. But I'd put him at three because I don't want to put him at one or two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'd put Aaron Herrera in there. Yeah. But then I don't know who the third person would be for the whole spread. For the whole spread? Yeah. Um. Like, they, they, they're quick, they're strong. They might not be the quickest, they might not be the strongest. Yeah. They're powerful, they're But robust. they're just like a good all round. Like, the other one, if we're talking complete all round, it'd be Lennon. Okay. That would be like we're talking all around qualities because then you start throwing aerobic ability, other things, yeah. and I think he ticks a lot of boxes. And pound for pound, he is pretty strong. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. I give him that. Got a lot stronger this year. So let's just call let's just call some people out, and then I'll, I'll, I'll lighten up a little bit. Yeah. So all now right. we're talking bottom threes. Yeah. So <laughs> bottom threes. Bottom threes. Yeah. So let's say I won't keep you from that much longer. So with the bottom three, according to the stats that you, I want you to try and remember off the top of your head, who. Are the three lowest jumpers who's got the least amount of bounce on the fourth place we, we just mentioned it before With those were the three yeah so it was oh no beds beds no beds better than that ariaga's in the bottom three ariaga is yeah. but isn't a, so there's a choa this tate tate schmidt yeah a is actually almost a 35 it's surprising it's just deceiving because of how long the legs are so who's the lowest uh tate he got better but like overall cognitive Cumulative performance, it'll probably be Tate, yeah. So there's Tate Schmidt, Luke Mulholland, and, and Luis. Luis, Herriaga. probably the bottom three. Okay, that's yeah. Who actually, there's another one that sneaky goes in there. Go on, Everton, <laughs> not a lot of bounce. <laughs> okay, good, I'll, I'll good, stick him in, yeah. Good, good tackler, yeah, but very good not, tackler. Not a lot of he's bounce. Not, he's, not, he's not bouncing into them anyway. No, nah, he's just sliding. <laughs> yeah, how about um, the weakest three weakest players now? <laughs> In the weight room, upper body. I oh, know we'll go spread up on top, uh, uppers and lowers. Three weakest. Yes. Wow. Come on, call them out. <laughs> call them out. Help shy. Um, it's not. Listen, it's not a problem. Like they could, they could still be getting better. Yeah, no. Like Julian Vasquez. Okay. Definitely, David Ochoa. It's a guy with all the potential. Yeah, but he's 
He's a bit of a baby giraffe. Um, <laughs> okay. But there's there's something there. Who would the third one be? Well, we could have a stab at a few blokes right now. Yeah, stab away. Um, who, which which guy on that side of the locker room could we have a go at? Um, I'm just going down the lockers here. Who didn't come in that much? Um, well, you could say like uh, Bofo. No, he, he's got a little bit. Um, um, it's not Albert. It's not Joao. No. Um, you know he's a guy guy's back I oh, know he actually benched right the other day so I can't say him who were you going to say I was going to say say Pablo but he's back and he's doing a good job right now mm. so it's not him um, got no record for the goalkeeper I don't think he ever went in there did he no he did, did he's, he? a, he's a 50 pound dumbbell bencher who's the goalkeeper yeah who is he yeah. good for him yep. no no so that's why he's not even doesn't even come through the come into the consideration <laughs> um, who else could we say oh it's pr- honestly, it might be no nah, Ariaga's strong pound for pound, so it's not him. Yeah, I thought so. It's Vasquez Ochoa and how about Portillo? JP's okay. Is he? He can trap bar a little bit. Um, he's gonna he's gonna have a go at me and say I didn't put any respect to his uh, name, yeah. and that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> um, who like honestly, I haven't seen him lift enough weights. It's probably one of it's probably the best bloke on the team. Who? Demir Krylak. You think so? I haven't. He doesn't. He's he's a, he, he's a good circuit man. Okay. But he's he's doing he's he's getting under that, the bar a bit now. So it might that be him. was a hot take. That is a piping hot take you dropped there. What? That is that is just, I said the weakest. That well, is a when piping you say, hot take. But, but are we talking relative? I've, I get it. Like I see where you're coming from. I'm speaking relative here. Listen, people are gonna find you and they're gonna start throwing eggs at your house off that. <laughs> they don't. Demir is a national it. hero. How dare you? Hey. How dare you? As I said, he's the nicest person I've uh, met almost in sport. He's, yeah, what but a guy. But you asked me to call someone out. No, nah, I know what you're saying. I was on the phone during for an hour yesterday. But in fairness to Demir, though, he is in there every day. He's in you know, there every like, day. Like, he, do, he, just, he's, he does a lot more functional movement, yeah. body weight stuff, which that's his program. So honestly, that's why I put him in there. But he may be as strong as all get out, but I don't know. The reason I add him in there as well, he's not also the sharpest guy, yeah. like speed-wise. Yeah, so I'm yeah. like, I correlate strength, speed together. Okay, so two more bottom threes, and then I'll just... Play a bit head-to-head with you, yeah? Okay. So this one now, this is going to have to be asterisk. I could be down here. But yeah. now we're doing the beep test bottom three. Yeah. So who's in that? I've put the asterisk on me because like, uh, that's not my bag yeah, at no, all. No, that's no, yeah. Uh, Plata, Silva, Ruiz. Easy as that? Yeah. No one else? No one else at all? Uh, not that comes to mind. Pablo didn't finish. Yeah. Plata got over the line, and so did Silva got over the line. Let me t- actually let me while you're on air now, so I need to put this on record. What's the what's the like fitness test for next season? Uh, to be confirmed. Oh, yes, this what 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 are you doing? There's a couple of things running through the mind, such as um, we could go six minute run, but that's been shut down by the boys and the boys and the players. Yeah, yeah, two so, guys. Yeah, and I'm like, and on like I'm fine. Like like new coach Freddie Juarez has asked me what do I want to do, so it's ultimately up to me. We could do a time trial, but that's basically the same as a six-minute run. What's the time trial? I'm thinking we'd probably do 2K. What? He looks thrilled about this right now. That face, he's just excited what? by this. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> so, so I'm leaving. probably I'm not done. that. I'm done. So, so may, may, maybe we just hit like, I don't know, maybe we just do a 30-15 or something like that. And what's the 30-15? So it's basically, you have 30 seconds to run a allocated distance yeah. between cones, yeah. and then you start at the next cone 15 seconds later after a break. And... Essentially, so it's like a up. yo-yo test. It's similar to yo-yo, but it's a little bit more progressive. Right. Okay. Like, so the yo-yo goes up. The yo-yo two goes up very, very fast in speed. So it's maybe not the greatest. I want to say not the greatest. It's a very, it's a good indicator of aerobic fitness, but some of the guys that are solo really struggle with it. So it maybe doesn't give you a clear yeah, indication okay. of where they're at. Where I think this one, 
we're more after a global fitness test rather than something that's repeated effort. So I think like 30-15 or yo-yo level one might be more. But then I have a lot of guys have the issue against running against the tape. Yeah. So it's the, the whole thing, beep, run, yeah. beep, run. So I'm just like, maybe we'll, we'll have a think about it, but it's probably somewhere down that line. Or the only thing is with the six-minute run, it's repeated. We've done it a few years in a row, so at least we know what the standard is. Yeah, just behave yourself with the 2K run, though. Just don't, well, let's not, let's well, not do that. Coaches suggested a, a Cooper. What's a, what's a Cooper? Two mile. I'm, I'm going to have to retire, man. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> might, might just have a tight hammy on day one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't. I, I, so it'll, feel like like, it'll honestly be probably be 30, 15, yo-yo level one or a six minute. And honestly, we'll probably end up just doing what we've done because it's not something you just go and change the change. No, nah, whatever. Right. So you can pass it. So don't worry. Yeah, I can, but it's not, I don't necessarily want to train for it. But anyway, so the team, so now the team line up again. Yeah. And you know who the first three are, who are the last three for the 60, for the like halfway line sprint. Oh, halfway line sprint. Yeah. There's some competitive guys down there listen, in the bottom three. Yeah, if you listen, if you throw this guy, the national hero, under the bus again, I'm going to get you out of there. <laughs> the national hero. If the you, national hero of where, though? It's just everywhere. <laughs> He's the people's champion. The if greatest you, human you, to ever be a human? If you dare throw him under the bus again, <laughs> I'm going to turn off your mic. Um, Mulholland. Okay. I'm sure he'll be unhappy with that. Yeah, he will be unhappy. I'll hear about it tomorrow morning. That's okay. Yep. Um, Captain? Probably Kyle, as much as I hate to say it, but he's so competitive. I could see him just being half a yard behind someone and finding it to get past him. Yeah. He's just like... Or grab someone, pull him back. Yeah, like, honestly... He's maybe, done that a few times. <laughs> maybe the most competitive person I've ever been around. Which, yeah. Love that. Um, we could say the national hero. We could. Don't. Didn't, though. Don't you dare. Um, who else is in the, the off switch couple? is just there. I will use I, it. I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. Who else is down the down the back? Um, Eric. No, he's at thirty two and a half. Surprisingly, yeah, yeah, he's a bit quicker than you think. Um, just going through a few other guys in the locker room. Um, oh, we can throw a goalie in there. All right, which goalie? The slowest goalie. Hmm. Well, this well, not year. the the of the, the two that would actually ever run the race. Who's that? As in um, Putner or Putner, yeah. Oh, Cho would be slower than Putner. Okay, cool. Cho is, is down there. The guy with the massive ceiling who's got all the potential in the world is also the slowest and jumps the lowest. But He's he's 18 and... Should honest, be prime time. You find an 18-year-old basketball player and be jumping out of the gym. Yeah, but this guy, when he was in the academy, Ryan Carter will tell you, just basically wouldn't, wouldn't come to lifts because he'd always be in school doing work. Right, okay. That's fair enough. Right, so we'll we'll flip the script a little bit, yeah. All right. Um, so you're into your basketball. Yeah. Who's the better player for you, LeBron or Michael Jordan? Le uh, Jordan. Jordan, just without question. Without question. No issues. So yeah. between LeBron and Michael Jordan, if they had to change the eras, who has the better legacy off the back of that? Who performs better? Does MJ perform better in this era or LeBron back in that era? Hundred percent MJ now. MJ now, you still yeah, think because so? like look what James Harden's doing. And, you think that's and, what he'd be, but it's but it's like a three point shooter. Yeah, yeah, but Jordan would have developed developed the three and dominated. Okay, so because Jordan, back then LeBron's Magic Johnson. Right. Okay. So it's Jordan. So LeBron. Oh, so MJ's your guy, and but who's your favorite, MJ or LeBron? Uh, probably Jordan. Okay, so Jordan's your favorite. So now some crazy things happened, and now you're going to get caught with these two decisions. You either work with your idol, as in yeah. MJ, but he hates you. Yeah. Or you play against him. And you always get owned every time you play against him. Like he literally will dunk on you for like four for like the hour, forty eight minutes or the hour or whatever it is. And where's the game being played? What's the game's it? being played every single year? They're in your conference. You play them three times. And That's every fine. Time. I'm I'm happy to. If he's the greatest player to ever lace him up. 
more than happy to let him throw a couple down on top of me. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> because, like, let's be honest, like, I, then I get no, I get, get to make it on Sports Center. I'm in the top 10. It doesn't matter. I'm like, it's no, like, that doesn't matter. Airtime. That doesn't matter because, it, hey, that, because that poster of your idol has you on the bottom of it. Yeah, but that's fine. But then, like, isn't, don't they say. Sitting on your face. But don't they say that, like, any, like, isn't like any airtime good airtime kind of thing? Isn't that the, isn't that the, that the way not it goes? in basketball? No, not no. when MJ's all over you. So, or, or you want to work with him and just have him absolutely hate you? So that that dunk that um, LeBron did to the guy was it at Boston, where uh, it was it was an alley oop, like he lost the ball and he ended up being a three v one. It's an iconic shot to the right of the screen. Oh yeah, I know that. So what's the guy called uh, that got dunked on? He used to wear a headband, quite skinny. Quite skinny headband. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a really, really I'm iconic dunk where he's trying to take the ball up the court, and then I think he gets robbed by maybe Chalmers, who then throws it up, and LeBron comes and basically yeah, yeah, dunks. I know the one you're talking about. He literally sitting yeah. on the guy's head. Yeah. So that picture there and that yeah. moment is good out time for him, yeah. is it? That's who you'd want to be. Hey, but yeah, I'm fine with that. So you'd rather not work with him and just like see how great he is, but then just be hated. Yeah, but but if he hates you, why? What's that good? But that's not good. But you're still working with it. But, but let's know. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a pretty likable character, though. Oh, so, so leave like, it out. So, so leave it's not gonna happen. it out. Leave it out. So just like a few more um, NBA questions, then that's it. Yeah, because okay. I've kept you in there for way too long. All right. Favorite current NBA player. Favorite current NBA player. Mm. Can't pick one, two. You can't pick three or whatever. You've just got to name one. Don't sit on the fence. I'm not gonna sit on the fence. Go on. And you know who I'm gonna say? Go on, say it. The people don't know. Doncic. Luka Doncic, okay, and 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 to tell the people what I said preseason, just bef- just so the people. I don't remember. Know. I must have been asleep at that. Point. Okay, Please, he, he was in. The, we were in the locker room. It's like who's going to have the biggest breakout year? And I categorically said Luka Doncic. Okay, and so, like, so, I, he was my guy last yeah, year. Like I'm, a, I'm right. a huge Steph guy, but like yeah, Luka, Luka's my man. So a quarter of the way through, he wants to take the award for being right at the quarter of the way through, but whatever. He's, he's only nearly averaging a triple double in his second year. He's doing okay. Nearly. Um. So who is the best player in the league right now? Yes. It's Giannis right now. Okay. Who's the most overrated player? Most overrated player mm. right now. So this has to be a player that is hyped, not someone that's like, okay, this place, you know what I mean? Like, who's the, who's the most overrated? Can we? Is it an older guy that's on the decline, or we just have to someone that's overrated? Just someone who people say is a really good player, but in your opinion, is not a really good player. Jeez, that's a tough one. That's what, that's what we do. We give you all the tough questions. Hmm. That is super tough. Oh, I can't. I can't give you an you answer. Are, on that. You're a straight cop out, seriously. No, it's I'm embarrassing. not. You know no. what I mean? Like you might work with them further down, and that's fine. But yeah, like, so just say it a may name. prevent me from getting a job. Just, so you don't won't. say that. It won't. It won't. It, although this is heard by millions of people all around the oh, world, yeah. it won't. It might not necessarily get to that particular person. Okay. Oh, this fine. will not make Sports Center. Okay. Okay. Well, it's fine. Just call someone out. Just name three people if you want. No. All right. So okay. who's the most underrated then? Underrated? Yeah. Bradley Beal. Do you know who Bradley Beal is? Plus Washington. Oh, good. I'm actually... I, I knew that you'd know that. I shouldn't say Don't I'm surprised. Don't even question me on my own platform. When I have the ability to, like, stop a podcast and research and then come back on seamlessly, <laughs> do not ask me any questions He like actually that. got that right live. Yeah. We'll just be honest. But listen, I have Google and I have Siri. I can speak to Alexa. I can do whatever. Like, don't come at me. But, yeah, that's... um. I'm going to I'm I'm gonna wrap it up there because, literally, we've been talking forever and it's been a lot of fun. But, you know, people have left their cars now the traffic's done all that stuff and I you know podcast listeners don't necessarily want to keep running just because we keep talking no no but you know what's going to happen Go you on. know when you get in the next morning it'll make it picks up where you get off so they're going to hear us again the next morning yeah that's true I'm, I'm getting less and less digestible aren't I it just keeps getting longer and longer which yeah. is a shame but yeah. 
thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Amy. Really enjoyed that. Like, obviously, we, we do speak every day, essentially, whenever we get to work. Sometimes it makes sense, sometimes it doesn't. But you've literally helped me a lot across this year understand what on earth is going on in America because I have no idea about American sport, and I appreciate you, honestly. So, yeah, thanks for coming in. I hope people have gained a better understanding of how the game is viewed, not just from the stands, but how it's viewed within the workplace. You know, there's more to it than just running around and kicking a ball towards goal. And we'd like to think that the product is actually improving instead of declining like it could have been a few years ago. When I had coaches in there who, for example, would say, all right, we're going to do 1v1, we're going to do it for a minute. But then I watched him as he got the stopwatch and never even clicked it. <laughs> Three and a half minutes yeah, later. <laughs> he, kept, he kept it going until one of those guys fell. You know, and thankfully we don't live in that time anymore. Yep. The dinosaurs are extinct or if they're not, they're on their way out. Yep. So yeah, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you to producer Ryan in the back for sitting silently and listening to us ramble on. Um, it's great again to be here at Mountain Air Studios, Draper, Utah. And to all the listeners, I really hope you're enjoying it because I'm, I'm enjoying giving you these guests and just having really enjoyable conversations. If you have any feedback, please find um, RSL on all major social media networks. Matt, do you want to plug your uh, Instagram or anything, your Twitter? Because I know you're active on Twitter. I've no, done I'm, all my research. I'm not really that active on Twitter. I was active back in the day. It's really waned off now. Okay. I think it's just at Matt Hell, the Twitter, I think. Yeah, it must and be then, nice, huh? How about Instagram? Do you want to do, do anything on there? Oh, I've got a couple of posts up there. Right. Not, not a okay. lot. I think it's just oh, it's usually... Being shy, guys. Being shy. Don't worry. We'll tag him. I don't okay. even know what it is. I think it's Matt.Hell or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's I couldn't tell you. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, listeners, thank you very much. If you have any voice memos, please leave them at digitalrsl.com. Please reach out to the club, as I say, on all major social media platforms. I have a private Instagram account, so I apologize. I will not be accepting you unless I've met you in real life. But thank you very much for listening, and until next time.